Hello and welcome to the Loon Line podcast. I'm your host Chris. Uh, I hope you're doing well, staying safe, all the usual jazz. And we are back with another podcast where we get to know a familiar face from the world of Scottish women's football. And this time around, I'm joined by a former two-time SWPL Golden Ball winner and a player capped three times by Scotland. She's currently applying a trade in the WSL with Bristol City. I am delighted to welcome onto the podcast, Abby Harrison. Um, Abby, thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. No problem. Happy to be here. How you doing? How's the, how's the last kind of few weeks been for you? Yeah, it's been a bit of a mental few weeks. Um, obviously back in, back playing. Um, and then, yeah, there's been some gaps with international break and stuff. And then there's been a few COVID issues that we've had to get over. So um, out of isolation now and, and ready to kick on. How how was that kind of last kind of couple of weeks? As you mentioned the COVID issues, so I know that you had to isolate for a wee bit, but then again, everything came back negative, which was all good. But I know it's been a, a tough, especially down down in terms of like getting games on and stuff. That's been quite tough the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, no, obviously it's it's been a bit of a strange period for everyone. Um, we're obviously fortunate that you know our lives haven't changed all that much. We're in training every day and, and we're still playing. So obviously, yeah, can't can't complain about that, but. Had a game on the Thursday night, a cup game, um, won it, got back home, everything was fine, rest day the next day in at recovery and then one of the girls that I live with the Friday night um, had sort of symptoms through the night so obviously had to abide by the protocol and none of the girls that, that live with me could travel um, which was obviously disappointing, you know, a few of us were due to start um, and obviously just be be there for the team the rest of us so that was a strange one and had to go through all the you know getting the test and and waiting for it to come back and I mean it was only I think three days we were waiting but it felt like a lifetime um but all came back negative so um yeah back up and running the next day because I mean that's quite a common thing for some people maybe listen don't know this but it's quite common especially in WSL for three or four of you talking to live in the same house so when something like this happens it can quite quickly affect a team in terms of obviously say having to isolate and then mix fixtures and things like that as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, the clubhouses, um, a lot of people, they move and, and you know, it's not like men's football. We have the luxury where we can buy a house wherever we go. So, um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't ideal, but, you know, we, there was, I think there was four of us, uh, four or five isolating here. Um, and yeah, it's not ideal, but in the grand scheme of things, everything that's going on just now, um, three days really isn't that bad to complain about. Yeah, I've had to have more wee isolation spell as well. So yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, as long as we're all healthy at the end of them, I think that's important. Yeah, but. absolutely. So let's move away from that because I think everybody's bored about talking about that this year. <laughs> um, and let's talk about you. Um, we're here to talk about your career and obviously how you've kind of got into football and things like that. So the first question I always ask at the start of this is, what's your kind of first memories of, of kicking a ball about? Uh, to be honest, like my mum and dad aren't um, big into football. None of them have played, but I've got a big brother um and yeah just first memories was him chucking me in goal um out on the street and me just wanting to do everything I possibly could to to be best friends with my brother so if that meant going goals and jump about and graze my legs then it was worth it so yeah back in the day it was it was very much street football um and sort of playing with no no real reason but all the enjoyment um and then, yeah, from there, you know, I used to go and watch his training and I think somebody got injured or, or um, hadn't turned up. I mean, I was only four or five at the time and 
my big brother said, oh, my wee sister will come in. Um, and obviously you can imagine the looks and the groans that that went on. But yeah, I went, I went and trained and never looked back. Um, so yeah, that was about when I was four or five. So 15 years on or what's that, 16, 17 years on, we're still doing it and I get to do it as a job. So uh, I've got it all, all to thank to him. So as a, as a big brother who also flew his sister into goals whenever he wanted to have a kick about. Um, your path is very different from the path my sister took, but uh, it's, it's good to hear that it's not a common thing. So like, what was your first club then? When when did you kind of get start, started in that, in that respect? Um, I played with like just a local boys team. So they were called Busby Boys. Um, played with them from the age of four or five at my own age group all the way till... I was nine um, loved every minute of it. You know, a lot of the boys that I played with at the team um, have went on and, and had successful careers themselves. So I think at the time you sort of, you're just winning, you're just playing with your friends and, and kicking the ball about. You know what I mean? It's it's not about anything else other than having a good time. And, and luckily we were good and we were good at it um, and we were good friends. So it's every opportunity we were, we were playing football and just fell in love with it from there. So was it from Busby that you ended up at Celtic? Is that kind of the next step for you? Yeah, so, um, yeah, just playing away with Busby and then uh, Celtic sort of didn't have an academy at the time. Um, and then trials came up uh, for the girls' academy. My mum applied for me without me knowing. Um, everybody everybody knows, I've, I've said it in numerous interviews, I'm absolutely mad for Celtic, Celtic fan um, from the moment I was born. So, yeah, like when I look back at it, to actually get the opportunity even to play at the time it was for under 11s I just I was besotted by it um getting all the kit all the gear you know training at, at facilities and, and just being able to say I was representing the club that I supported um it was amazing and then progressed through through the academy so I started at the first ever under 11s team then I went 13s 15s 17s and then when I was 14 I made the jump up to the women's team um and never really looked back. Had a couple of good seasons there, moved through to Hibs and down here and the rest is history. I mean, how was, how was, because I, I was having a wee read, like like you do, good proper yeah. research and stuff before we have a chat. And I like, I, for some reason, it totally escaped me that you'd made your debut at 14. Like, how how was that for you? Did it feel strange? Did you just take it in your stride? How, how was um, it? Yeah, it was, it was weird, you know, like up until about the age of 13, I was absolutely tiny. Um, and I was playing against girls a lot bigger than me. And then one summer I took a stretch. Um, and that's when I was 14. And then, yeah, there was, a, I think it was um, at the time, like Celtic had an, an unbelievable team. And uh, it was Fiona Brown and Emily Thompson got injured in the summer. Um, and yeah, I just got asked to train and and went along and trained. And then I remember my, my very first game for, for the women. I had been in in the morning doing like a fitness session with the under 17s. And uh, and I had I think I'd trained with them a couple of times. So Doc, the manager at the time, said, "Oh, do you want to be on the bench?" And I thought, absolutely. Like I'm not turning that down. Wasn't expecting anything. And then I think it was about the eighty third minute. Um, Suzanne Grant fell and hurt her shoulder. And yeah, the only person that could go on was me. So off I went on. And and yeah, as I say, the rest is history. Um, loved sort of every minute playing at Celtic. Um, the club I grew up supporting. So. To pull on that strip, you know, it was it was an honour for me every time I did it. See, when you were growing up, who who were kind of your like football and idols? And it can be, it doesn't have to be a women's footballer because we all know that finding them growing up was was tough. It's, it's only maybe in the last couple of years that's easy. But who was who was your idols growing up? I can guess if you're a Celtic bad fan. 
<laughs> yeah, to be fair, like, I don't have the best attention spell in the world, so a 90-minute game of football was always tough for me. Um, but, yeah, the obvious one, Henrik Larsson, um, I just, I thought he was absolutely incredible. Managed to go to his testimonial, but bent down to get my juice as he scored his, his only goal that game, so... <laughs> It's something that I'll never do again. Um, but yeah, women's football, you know, Julie Fleeting. Um, I think a lot of people will see her. Uh, and yeah, I've spoke about it before, just what she done and, and everything, like so admirable. And then I got the chance to play with her um, after phoning her when I was nine years old to tell her she was my hero <laughs> during a school, a school project. So yeah, I was shell-shocked when she turned up at training and then got to play alongside her and probably taught me the most that like from any player I've played with she's probably taught me the most just watching um watching her train watching her play um I just I just loved it that's cool I, you mentioned like for a school project I also read somewhere that a teacher laughed laughed in your face was he that as blunt as that when you said you wanted uh, to be a footballer yeah so it was when to be fair it was it wasn't actually like it was oh it must have been about 15 at the time and I was sitting my hires at school and you know, like with school, it's all grades, grades, grades. Um, and that's that year we were playing and we got to the Euro finals with the, the under 17s team, but it was like a World Cup year. So the World Cup was supposed to be in some hot country. So they had to bring it all forward. So we ended up playing like the three rounds of the Euros within like three or four months. Um, so I think like my attendance for like most important year at school was like 50%. And it got to the point I said to the teacher, I'm not going to be in like I've got the Euro finals and yeah she just turned around to me and said you're going to get a hire in playing football or are you going to use your biology hire and uh, I said well we'll see won't we and she said well I think you'll get a job in biology before football but we look back and we laugh and and they're the type of things that you know keep you going and and it's nice for young girls to hear that because you do get the adverse comments and you've just got to sort of rise above it and, and believe in yourself and and now there's role models you know for girls that you can go and do it so um yeah that was a funny comment but did, did, it spur you, did that spur you on then did that kind of make you go ah, I'm definitely doing this now oh, yeah. um to be honest like I, I had the last laugh I was going to represent in, in a Euro finals so it, nothing in my mind would have made me like question my decision you know school's so important and, and I got the grades I needed but at that moment in time it was football um that, that I had to focus on but there's loads loads of motivation I think for everyone if somebody tells you you can't do something you know even if it doesn't make you want to do it more when when you do achieve it it's it's um makes it a lot sweeter and you can enjoy it more um hoping that they'll see but um whether she's seen or not I'm not sure but um I'll never forget it I'm sure she'll cheer you on. I'm sure she'll cheer you on. <laughs> um, let's, let's get back to the club career, though, because obviously you mentioned, obviously, growing up playing for Celtic, being a Celtic fan. So what prompted the move to Hibs um, in terms of your next step? Um, to be honest, like I'd, I think I played four seasons at Celtic, um, and as I say, sort of loved every moment. Um, and then just sort of where I was at with football, um, I knew that I knew what I wanted to do, and I wanted, obviously, to make it a career. Um, and I could see the sort of the idea and the journey that Hibs wanted to go on um, in terms of, you know, silverware challenging for the top and, and yeah, it just made sense for me. It was the right move for me at the time. Um, and it was not no bad blood or anything towards Celtic. Um, 
but it was just the right time um, for where I was at in my career and and I was able to kick on again um, I think I needed that sort of change to to retest myself um, and then the same you know when it when it comes to the end of, of Hibs and moving down here I think you know in yourself when when that time is right to you know make the next step and and to improve yourself. Yeah, you you mentioned obviously Hibs that kind of pursuit for silverware. And when you were there, it was three SWPL cups and three Scottish cups, if I've got that right. Um, was a was a favourite and amongst all those kind of those kind of triumphs at Hibs because I know you scored in a couple of the finals as well. So do them stand um, stand out in the memory? To be honest, probably. Um, and my first, I think my first season at Hibs, we, we just came short and then it was the second season and and we all believed we could do it um, to a certain extent. But I think, you know, talking and doing it is, is a different thing. Um, and obviously, you know, City had did great and, and dominated for years. So you've got, you've got to respect that. So I think in terms of the excitement and the sheer buzz, the first one, um, you know, I think it ended up being settled with a 120th minute goal so just the roller coaster of, of our emotions was was unbelievable um so that was good um but it's, it's winning a trophy isn't it and whether you score assist don't get on the pitch you know it's at the end of the day it's it's being there for the team and, and enjoying it so although the first one was was probably the sweetest um you, you never you never don't yeah you never get upset of, of losing um and it, and it became a habit for us in the cup and, and we knew that that's where we excelled so loved every moment um and yeah managed to bag a few trophies along the way I was going to ask is that Hibs team um particularly towards the kind of end split up quite a lot and um, players have kind of moved to WSL some have come back up to Scotland there was a couple of seasons and well, I think it was one season in particular during your spell where you got really close to the title was that is that maybe one regret from that spell that maybe that you just weren't able to get it over that line one season to kind of pick Glasgow City? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, for, for everything I did achieve in Scotland, um, whatever you do on an individual basis to me is it's obviously nice, but I think I'll always feel as if I need to do that and I need to go and get that that league title just because it's, it's the one that I don't have. Um, and we did come very close. I think it ended up being settled by... I think losing one game across a season. Um, so yeah, it's, it's frustrating, and, and the team we had was, you know, unbelievable. Um, I think probably most or the vast majority of that team now is has went and played professional football. So in terms of like from Hibs, like it's a, a great achievement in terms of how they developed us all, and and we were a really close team. But as I've said before, you know, sometimes you need to look at yourself and be selfish and sort of make that next step for you and and everyone that's gone and done that has excelled and, and made Hibs proud um, and the Hibs have played a massive part in all of our careers um, from the friends we've made the coaching what we learned um, and yeah what getting that winning winning mentality and winning feeling I think no matter who it's against or what you're doing just brings everyone together so yeah absolutely love my, my time at Hibs and, and winning the Cups was extra special. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, if you looked at the World Cup squad from France, the amount of players that had come through at Hibs at some point was was incredible. Maybe it goes a little bit unnoticed sometimes. Um, but let's let's talk back about you. There is one thing that you do, which is score a lot of goals. 2017-2018, uh, you were top goal scorer in SWPL. You mentioned that you when you first started, your brother flung you in goal. So at what point did you realise that you were quite good at sticking him in the net? 
to be honest, as soon as he let as soon as he let me switch out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, to be honest, like even now, put me in any position on on the pitch, and I ju- I'll, I'll do it. I just I love playing football. I love the game. I love I love watching watching other people play. Um, and yeah, I just sort of I don't really know how I ended up there. Had a spell at right back, which was an interesting one, but. Um, I made my way back up the pitch and, and I'm still here. So hopefully as the career career goes on, I don't do the regression and get back. So. <laughs> well, that's the key to longevity these days. It seems to be everybody's moving further and further back to... Exactly. exactly. I'm sure you've got, loads of, you've got loads of time left. So that's fine. But what, what what do you think makes a good goal scorer? I'm interested because like I, for me, I, I remember you playing at Hibs and I remember thinking all, all the time, uh, Abby Harrison's probably going to score the day. Like for, so for you, like what 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 makes a great goal scorer? What do you think about when you're kind of like going into a game about the goal scoring process? To be honest, like my time at Hibs, I think obviously I did I did score a lot of goals. So every game, not that I would expect to score, but I'd be confident that I could score. Um, you know, I'd played against every team and, and every goalie, every defence multiple times. So I knew how I would be able to get the edge on them. Um, but I think it's just believing in yourself I think I'm probably lucky in the sense that I'm better when I don't have a lot of time to think about it so a lot of my goals at Hibs were you know in and around 18 yard box um, probably one or two touch finishes I'm, I'm not one for for a step over drop the shoulder and, and hit it top bag I'll take all the easy ones um, but yeah like you make your own luck you get to the right place at the right time and in the relationships you have with the players playing around you um, you know when I was like supported by sort of Rachel Small in behind, Lizzie on the right, Rachel McLaughlin on the left, um, and then getting deliveries from obviously Emma Brownlee and Kirsty Smith. You know that that you're going to get the chances, um, and luckily in Scotland, like I managed to convert the chances. Um, but yeah, being a striker, it's about taking the opportunity, and, and I just believed that every time I was on the pitch, I was going to score um, probably more than one or two. Um, so it was nice and, and everyone you know means something whether that's a hat-trick against City a hat-trick against Celtic or when you're playing in the cup and winning 10-11-0 um, it's it's a goal at the end of the day and, and it's what what makes me the happiest has been on the pitch So then my question for you on the back of that is when you don't score but how's, like, does it bother you? Like, Do you get off a pitch and you're like oh, I haven't scored this is rubbish? Um I think the sort of pressure that, that I put on myself is is more than than anyone else puts on me. Um, and yeah, it's that sort of expectation on myself that that I know I, I should be contributing, whether it's a goal or an assist. Um, and probably when I was younger, I was very much, if I've scored, I've had a great game. If I've not, excuse me, if I've not scored, I've been terrible. But, you know, as you progress, you you realise the, the work that you do for the team and, and how that's appreciated for other people. So, um, yeah, I've managed to to sort of realise that it's not all about the goals as much as that's my job. Um, I can support and, and help the team in, in other ways as well. Have you got a favourite in terms of, like, goal you've scored? I mean, it could either be, like, for a moment or it could have been the type of goal. Oh, I've got a couple, to be honest. My first my first goal that I scored for Celtic... Um, with the women's team I mean it, it was really not a good finish it was a ball across the six yard box and I just toe poked it into the, the corner so yeah in terms of the actual goal it was it was 
people were probably thinking why she's celebrating like that but just in terms of you know all the dreams you have when you're five six seven years old all I could think about was growing up and playing for Celtic women and and at the time I was having those dreams there was no Celtic women so it seemed absolutely out of this world so to do it I think it was just yeah it was an amazing moment um time at Hibs scored a couple of hat-tricks against Celtic in, in Glasgow City in big games, which, you know, helped us on our way to, to finals or, or closer to, you know, being at the top of the table. Um, but from Hibs, probably the, the goal against Bayern Munich. Um, the grand scheme of things, it, it was a 10-1 loss on to get across two games. But, you know, just the hard work we put in. Um, my mum and a lot of our families were out there. Um and just the, the, the full experience playing in the Champions League against a team of that quality. Um, and then obviously managing to bag a goal. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. But the, as I say, they're all they're all as good as each other, but but some stick in the memory more than others. Cool. Okay, we'll get we'll get off goals and we'll go back to your career <laughs> then. Um so you've talked about it already, making the move to Bristol City at kind of start of 2019. How how did it come about? I know a couple of players had moved by that point, kind of down that neck of the wood. Did that help in the move? Um, to be honest, when like when I came here, the only person that, that I had played with before was was Lucy, um, and she came the summer, so just six months before me. But um, yeah, sort of as as the season went on at Hibs, I think I got to the point where where I knew I needed to make that next step in terms of where I was. Um, in my career and, and what I wanted to achieve and, and at the end of the day challenge myself you know I've been playing by that point I think it was seven or eight seasons in Scotland um, and as much as you know I'm absolutely dying to, to get that league winners medal I knew for me sort of the time had to be to step up to the next level um, you know for, for myself and, and obviously chances of international and stuff like that um, and yeah, Chris Roberts obviously was the assistant coach down here that, that used to be with us at um at Hibs and it just sort of developed like smoothly in the background, um, whilst the season was coming to an end. Um and then played in the Scottish Cup final, which I knew at the time was probably going to be my last game for Hibs, um, but but none of the girls knew. And then 25 minutes in, I'd scored two goals and I went to run and my hamstring popped. Um, and you know, at the moment, everyone said, "Oh, it's the best time to do it. It's the end of the season." Um, obviously, myself knowing that it's probably the worst time to do it, and everything that I'd worked for could be taken away like that. Um, luckily, I recovered well from that and and got the move in the January. So, yeah, came down, settled in, sort of right away. Um, great team, great staff, um, and just absolutely love it here. Never look back. Yeah, because did it happen in the Scottish Cup final when that happened? Scot yeah, yeah, Scottish Cup final um, against Motherwell. I think it was like 25 minutes in or something. And yeah, I wanted the hat-trick, but I had to come off. I was going to say, because you'd, you'd scored a couple very quickly. That was a pretty one-sided final, that one. I remember being at it. But um, yeah, I remember you coming off and I remember thinking when that will happen. And I think actually the next piece of news I saw about you was the move to Bristol City. So I thought, oh, yeah, that, that, that's what did well. What did you make of your kind of, because you obviously kind of moved kind of mid-season in terms of WSL. So how how did you view your debut kind of season? You made eight appearances in that in that season by the end of it? Um, yeah, to be honest, like it's, I probably underestimated the move, not, not like just in terms of football, but just everything, you know, living away from home, um, just yeah, the, the style of play, living with other players. I sort of had to to grow up and really quickly. Um, 
I was in a professional environment now, so the the pressure and sort of I'm here to score goals was was what I, you know that was my job. That's what I need to do. Um, and it was hard the first sort of probably until the start of last season. It was like a six months that I just needed to get used to the league, the way the way that we play, the way other teams play the game, the sort of, you know, the speed, the physicality down here and how it's different to Scotland. So the first sort of six months, it was just constantly, you know, watching games, analysing myself, analysing training, just how can can I be better for the team? And it's been a complete different change in terms of, you know, coming from Hibs where we were winning every week and, and scoring goals to then come to a team that, you know, are, aren't seen as one of the top teams. So in terms of mentality and stuff, it, as I say, going back to the, if I've not scored, I'm playing rubbish. Um, going back to that, so yeah, I've you know developed no end since being here. Um, as a player and a person, and yeah, as I say, I just I love it. I love the team, the girls I've got around me, um, the staff, and yeah, it's just amazing. I'm loving it. I was going to say because it, it definitely comes across in social media. You seem to be kind of one of the stars of the Bristol City media team. Whenever there's a looking for <laughs> looking for something for a better banner, it always seems to be you around about the situation somewhere um, for that. Um, in terms of this, in terms of kind of this, or like, this is where we lose track of time because of the world we're living in. But um, in terms of the start of last season, yes, start of last season, um, you'd mentioned also that kind of transition phase. Um, you got your first goal in a, a two-one defeat to Spurs, uh, and then you got that the ACL injury. Did that yeah. feel like the worst time? Did you feel like because for me, any as watching, it felt like you had kind of started to get in your groove kind of down there. Was that did it feel like it came at a really bad time? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's something that is is obviously happening all the time in women's football, and and naively you think it won't happen to me. I think everyone sort of thinks that, um, and but it, but it did. And although there's sort of no no good time to get injured yet, yeah, definitely. Um, I thought, why why me? Why now? Um, why this injury? And and there was a lot of you know, stress, upset, sort of pain and anger surrounding that until until I got my head around it. Um, and I think, you know, you worry about the road ahead and, and that was probably the worst thing that, that I could have did was try and think of the finish line whilst I was going through it because at some points, you know, you just need to, you need to learn how to walk again so you can't even think about playing football. So in terms of timings, you know, injuries happen. It's, it's part of the sport. I've, I've had injuries before, but... Um, yeah, I think, as you say, I, I just found my feet. Um, I was playing well. I was enjoying myself, and then and then it happened. So it's part and part of our football. As I say, there's no good time to get injured, um, but it happens. So you got to suck it up, be there for the team, and, and just sort of focus on you and, and your rehab. Um, I've spoken to a few people about kind of long term injuries in the past, and they've talked about how sometimes you can feel a little bit distant from the squad. See. And the time that happened, obviously, we've been all living in isolation on and off now for six, seven, eight months. And during that time, you've been recovering. How how was it for you, that experience of recovery? Um, to be honest, in terms of, you know, when it happened, it's actually a year ago tomorrow that the, the original injury happened. So in terms of, you know, getting the scan and, and everything and the operation, it all progressed very quickly. Um, and then got my operation the start of December so I, was, I managed to go home for sort of an extended break over Christmas and New Year because yeah I couldn't really well I didn't need to be in my dad's a physio as well so he managed to 
you know, keep me going, um, no matter how stressful that was at times. Um, and then, yeah, came back down the road, sort of first week in January, and just kicked on from there. Um, the sort of type of person I am, when I'm around people, I'm, I'm at my happiest. So, you know, being there and, and I made sure sort of throughout the full injury, I didn't miss a game of football, a training session. You know, if I was done my rehab, I'd, I would be out watching. I would be trying to help the staff, help the players. Um, wouldn't miss a meeting. It's just sort of in my nature to to be around. And and that's how I deal with things. And, and that's why, you know, um, the respect is there for the team because... They, they got me through it um, I was obviously away from from family friends and loved ones back home so you know I, I spent it with the girls and and the rehab was you know it was tough the first three months we were down here and it was trying to get my leg straight trying to get my leg bent um, trying to load it and then I started to run um, bang on week 12 and then I went and did like a week-long rehab um, at St George's Park um, using sort of all the, the really good technology and facilities and stuff and then I finished up there on the Thursday and drove home to surprise my family and then that was god the first week in March I think and I didn't I was home supposed to be home for three days and I returned in July so um, it sort of went from zero to 100 um, and then yeah there was that mad rush at the start of lockdown trying to get exercise bikes Olympic bars because for me you know time couldn't stand still I had to yeah. keep progressing I think when I look back at it um in terms of from a mental point of view it was probably exactly what I needed um to be at home with you know the people that I'm closest to during during a hard injury and then just to be able to completely switch off from from football from sport in general um mentally you know did me the world of good it was just a time to focus on me and get going and then in the end when I look back I think it was only because of the Covid situation five or six games that I actually missed um despite being out the nine months so it was a rehab um different to I imagine many other people have been through um but yeah just kept in close contact facetimes videos every day with with the medical team um, and then any hands-on thing I need my dad was man, managing to do it so um, yeah a really strange and, and unpredictable time but um, left Bristol in the March start like just starting to run and then when I returned I returned to training at the start of pre-season so um, probably for the rest of the girls it seemed a bit strange where this you know I was seeing the small wins and the progress every day at home. Do you think that probably hit, like, like, there's obviously been a lot of talk about kind of the mental strain on everybody during this period. Do you think even though you were kind of going through adversity, did that help you having those little goals to go through after every day? Yeah, I think so. You know, at a time where sort of the world stood still, as I say, like I couldn't, um, it would have sort of put me back much, much more. And the timing of the injury, um, I was quite lucky in the sense that I knew last season was done. There was no way I was going to be back before it, but the, the aim was always the start of this season. Um, so in my head, at, at no point was, even if it was a global pandemic, was that going to stand in the way um, of me returning? So, yeah, it was difficult. You know, it puts stress and strain on everyone. You want you want everyone to be, to be fit, healthy and safe. But as you say, you know, when people were not able to work and, probably watching Netflix all day I was able to make those small wins and and celebrate them with, with the people that I'm closest to along the way and probably for my family um it was it meant the world in terms of that they could actually be on that with me because I think if not you know people worry about how you're doing and you can't tell them all the small wins because 
well, my mum that's not involved in in football, she probably wouldn't wouldn't appreciate. But to actually see it, um, and for her to help me, you know, timings down at the park, helping me do my jumping, um, yeah, everyone everyone played a huge part. It it wasn't just me that that progressed. It was you know all the team that that I have behind me that managed to make the comeback happen. And you did manage to make your comeback. Um, how did that feel after all that time? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it was. It was crazy. The goal for me was to try and get a couple of games in in pre-season just because obviously you need to build up the time and, and stuff like that. So it was a bit more guaranteed. Um, and the first sort of time I, I had that I was allowed to play was 25 minutes. And um, oh, so I was expecting to come on last 25 minutes and the team gets read out and, and I'm starting. And uh, yeah, it was just sort of whirlwind of emotions. I think everyone probably that was around hyped up a bit more um in terms of my head I, I was ready to go um I know that throughout the rehab and, and even continuing now I've did everything that I possibly can to, to be back at, at where I want to be and although I'm not at that yet and, and where I want to be I know that I left no stone unturned like throughout the process so I was just excited to be back and and get a touch the ball and yeah feel feel properly part of the team again and uh, that was in pre-season and yeah I got taken off at 25 minutes and I mean it was behind closed doors but I think I got a standing ovation from everyone <laughs> um, and then yeah sort of a couple of games on now um, managed to get you know my first 90 in the cup and yeah it's all these small wins that, that just keep building up and you just have a new appreciation for for everything you know every training session every pass you can make every time you're allowed to run even if I used to hate it it's, it puts things into perspective and especially, you know, what we're all going through just now. It's just exactly, you know, what I need and and yeah, sort of looking back on it, I can I can only be proud of myself. Do you do you feel like you're at hundred percent now or do you think you've still got a little bit to go? Uh, as I say, I'm probably my, my own worst critic. So, you know, I'll never be be happy with where I'm at. Um obviously delighted that that I'm able to to be playing and, and training every single day. Um, but in terms of where I want to be, um, probably comparing myself to pre-injury, not far off. Um, but where I want to be, um, I've still got a lot to learn and a lot to grow. So I won't rest on anything just yet. Um, probably should talk about the start of the season. Being pretty tough for Bristol City. Um, it's been a lot of chats about investment into WSL, but I think we've seen maybe teams like Bristol City who do put money in, but not to the, the amount that some of the other teams can. How, how have you found that start of the season? I know you talked at the start about switching from a team that wins all the time to a team that maybe doesn't. How how's it been? Um, yeah, you know it's it's hard for us when. When we're going up against teams that that are bringing, you know, the likes of Chelsea bringing, you know, Harder, Sam Kerr off the bench, um, that are absolute like superstars in, in women's football, and it's, it's difficult. Um, but you know, in house we know what we're capable of, and we know the quality we've got. But equally, we're realistic in terms of of how we compete. We know that you know we're not going to win the league. We're not going to do a Leicester. Um, and, and we're comfortable with uh, sort of knowing where we're at. And I think that's something that when you come to Bristol, you know the challenges that are ahead. Um, but in terms of off the pitch and the camaraderie and the team, um, although sort of times haven't been great recently, it's, you know, together we're as one. And, you know, picking up the point against Tottenham, 
just at the weekend there and then looking forward to our next games against Redden, Villa, West Ham. Um, hopefully build a bit of momentum and, and just kick on from there. Um, we all love it here. We all love what we do and, and we're all good at what we do. So it's just about getting those performances on the pitch and taking, you know, the camaraderie off it onto the pitch. And yeah, I'm sure we'll be quite fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they've and you've done it before as well. Like last season, I think you, you kind of pulled it around as well. So long season, as they always say. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about international football though, because you have represented Scotland. But you have you? I know that you were eligible for Jamaica, England, and Scotland. Did you ever have to make a choice, or was it was it always Scotland? Uh, yes, an interest. It's an interesting story. So my granddad is from Jamaica, so that's where the sort of Jamaican eligibility comes from, and then. My dad's English, but I was also born in England um, before moving up to Scotland when I was one. Um, but yeah, in terms of sort of my head, you know, grew up in Scotland, went to school in Scotland and, and just progressed nicely through the age groups. So at no point did, did I sort of question where I should be or where I wanted to be. Um, and that was just a natural progression all the way through. Um, I still am eligible for, for the other countries, but, you know, in my head, it's I want to do that with Scotland. So... That's good, because uh, my next question was, how does it feel to make your debut for Scotland when you, you came on against Russia? Um, yeah, to be honest, it was it was a bit mental, the full, the full experience. I think, you know, you're, you're sat next to, to people that have got over 100 caps and stuff like that. And and I think, you know, when you speak to people, every caps is as special as the next um, or the one before. But obviously, yeah, the first the first cap feeling, I wasn't expecting it. So to be able to go on and um, I did not bad. So um, yeah, it was sort of, it was what I wanted to achieve. And, you know, you say when, when you're younger and when you set goals, you want to play for your, and represent your country. Um, and now I've did that, but now for me, you know, it needs to be a regular thing. Um, I need to make that next step up to, to be a like sort of constant within the squad. Um, and, you know, hopefully just keep working hard and, and get in there. So a lot was good. Um, makes you hungry for more. Uh, I was about to ask you. We are recording on the day that Shelley announced her squad. How yeah. how far away do you feel you are from that at the moment? In terms of obviously coming back from a long term injury, the squad obviously being in good form as well. Obviously putting aside the Finland defeat, how, how far away do you feel just now from that? Um, to be honest, you know, since since I got injury injured, it was for me. It was it was just focusing on myself. You know, um, I was very much tunnel vision. Uh, wanting to get back and, and and playing for Bristol because at the end of the day, if I'm not playing here and I'm not playing well here, then to make that jump to, to international is, is going to be hard. So Bristol is, is my club um, and, you know, they put in the effort and, and I train here every day. Um, and hopefully the international does come in terms of where I'm at and, and whether I think I should be in or not, you know, it, it, it doesn't come down to me picking the team. Obviously, I would want to be in it every time if I could, but you've also got to respect and appreciate the quality that we've got uh, we've got in the team. So um, I'll keep working hard and, and make sure that, that when I get that next chance that I'm ready and I'll bite the hand off and, and make it difficult for, for not to include me in the next one. Yeah, I think as everybody keeps doing that, it can only make everybody better. So it's it's cool. It's cool to have a Scotland team that has so many players going for it as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we talked a lot about your career, so we're going to round off with a few questions just about you. Um, okay. So it's nothing, nothing mental. But I'm going to start with a nice easy one. What song have you got repeat on repeat at the moment? 
Um, oh God, what song have I got on repeat? Oh God, that's hard when it depends what mood I'm in. Um, probably any TikTok song. Um, yeah, I'm a, fan, I'm a fan of the TikTok songs, so just hit the playlist and, and let them play. I'm quite easy, um, easy for music. So not, I don't have a specific one, but there's a fair few. Do you, do you rate your TikTok game? I rate my TikTok game. To be fair, my TikTok game's not bad. <laughs> hey, I, I've I've I tried and I just I realised I was too old for it and didn't fully understand nah. it. But I, 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 need, like I, need, I, need to, I need to plug it, don't I? So. Oh I yeah, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do all that. That's, that's, that's <laughs> not a problem. Um, what about what's your kind of pre-match staple in terms of match day? What's what's kind of your meal? If it's like a is it a breakfast, a lunch, how, how do you? What's your pre-match kind of go to? Um, Yes, obviously it depends what, what sort of time, but if, you know, it's a, a normal sort of two o'clock kickoff, um, I'll just have beans and toast in the morning and then I'll have some Weetabix and some fruit um, as my sort of meal before the game. If it's obviously a, a nighttime kickoff, I'll get some pasta or something in, but I don't really like eating that much before a game, just prefer to sort of not play on a full stomach. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my sort of staples, either poached eggs and beans on toast and then a bit of Weetabix. Um, but obviously, beggars can't be choosers sometimes. <laughs> a, a long time ago, I asked that same question to one of your former teammates, uh, Rich McLaughlin, and I asked her, has she been loyal in terms of like the brand of baked beans? So I feel like I need to ask you that question now as well. You've <laughs> said baked beans on toast. So like, are you a, a Heinz loyal or do you not really care as long as you get beans? Do you know what, right? Um, I've always been a Heinz loyal until they brought out the the reduced sugar ones okay. and oh, mum got them in the cupboard and yeah that sort of put me off but Heinz are a Branston um Branston are, are going up in my appreciation levels that's good to know cool um what are you currently binge watching I know you've been working on your rehab and we've talked about Netflix but you must be must be something that you're right right in about just now television wise um I've been watching Our Girl um that's on BBC I play the army one so um just not long started that and then all the rubbish in between that's on the TV. Um, obviously, I'm a celebrity. It's just started, so um, I'll watch that. But yeah, click play on the TV, and then I'm sat scrolling through my phone. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's a lot of thing when I start to watch something, and before I realise it, I haven't watched any of it. And I, if it's something I want to watch, I've got to watch it again because I've missed. Yeah, it. oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is it from the very start of our girl? Are you up to date with it? No, the very start. So I'm a bit behind the times. Oh, no, that's right. Good. It's a good choice. I, I think it's a pretty good series. I enjoyed it. Um, what about your dream holiday destination? If you could go in, well, so we can't. None of us can go anywhere really at the moment. But if you, when we can, where's your dream holiday destination? Uh, my dream holiday destination and a realistic destination are probably quite different. Um, I mean, nah, we're, we're, like we're living in a pandemic. Go for it. <laughs> go wild. Don't worry about realistic. To be honest, I, I think the holiday I would go on right now is you know a Maldives. I just go away, chill, switch off the phone um, and yeah, and just enjoy it. So yeah, I'd usually do like a city break, but in the current times, I think I need a bit of sun in me. I was say, are you a person, so for me, I like going on holiday and doing stuff. I'm not a great lie about not doing much. Can you Can you do both? Are you quite happy? Um, yeah, like if I go on a city break, you know, I like to, to get, do all the tourist stuff and get the pictures and that. But if I'm going on a chilled holiday, as much as, you know, I'm very hyper and, and, the ADHD sometimes can be a bit much. When I'm on my holiday, I, I can lie and sunbathe because I need to get the tan. 
<laughs> I do, as you can probably see, I do not tan. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and what about your dream dinner? What's like your favorite dinner? It could either be a restaurant or something you make or something that makes for you. Um, to be fair, my favorite is probably when I'm whenever I go home. Um, my family put on a huge sort of Mexican spreads, everything from you know ribs to nachos to um, to fajitas to chili just everything and it's very much first come first serve get the elbows out of the table so um the weakest the weakest gets left behind so mm-hmm. yeah just you know every time I've had that I've been I've been around you know family and and the closest ones to me that, that are there through anything so um yeah Mexican night every night if I could. Is there a goal that you wish you'd ever scored? So it doesn't have to be a goal that you, a game you are playing in, but like, is there a goal where you go, oh, I wish I'd scored that one? Uh, there's so many good goals that, that I would never be able to score. Um, prob- probably something like when Gareth Bale came on in the Champions League and scored the overhead kick. Um yeah, I just think sort of that full occasion, you know, coming on and in the expectation to change the game, and then and then you do that. Um, that would have been pretty pretty good. Yeah, that'd been pretty awesome. Right, last question. <laughs> um, I, I I retired this question for a wee bit, but I'm bringing it back because I like it as a question. <laughs> what's what's your favourite Tunnix product? So you've got the snowball, the wafer, the log, and the tea cake. Um, if you could only oh. pick one, which one would it be? I, I'd go for caramel wafer all day long. I'm sure you're working, so why, why the wafer? I just, I'm not the biggest fan of a mallow, so in the, the tea cake, I, I can have it, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Um, the snowball is just a bit messy for me. Um, and then the other one is like a caramel log with sprinkles, isn't it? Yeah, it's got like oh, is it coconut around the outside, yeah. Again, yeah, it's just, it's a bit much going on for me, so a caramel wafer dipped in the, the nice tea. That was, that, that was my next question. Do you then dip your caramel wafer in a tea? Oh yeah, you've yeah. got you've got to dip your biscuits. No, no sort of question about that. Yeah, not for too long though. Oh no, because you don't want it falling in, and then you end yeah. up, and that's not good. And you have to fish no. it out. And you try to use a biscuit, <laughs> it doesn't work, but you don't use a spoon. Yeah, yeah, that's no, not what we need. Yeah, so I mean, the camps are very much like caramel wafer and tea cake in this one. Nobody seems to say anything else, so. Yeah, Tunnicks have probably stocked up quite well on those two. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Abby, thank you very much for coming on and having a chat. It's been really appreciated. No I really enjoyed that. Thanks for having me. Um, and thank you very much for listening to this. If you enjoyed it, please let us know. Um, give Abby a wee follow on all our socials and our TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> TikTok followed. Um, we'll be back again with our podcast soon. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we'll speak again soon. <laughs>